What's going on guys, this episode of the Humanity Jiu Jitsu Podcast once again brought to you by Tape Lab. Now guys, if you're anything like me, you probably train more no gi than you do gi. I think I've only trained gi once this year. You know guys, jo- join the hype. <laughs> but anyways, you might be thinking, oh, if you train mostly no gi, what's the point in using tape? Guys, let me tell you, I still tape my fingers and tape all the stuff in no gi. It's very useful, very good way to stave off the injuries. And guys, it's not just about taping your fingers. You can also tape your ankles, wrists, or even your shins if you have shin splints or something like that. Uh, guys, you can actually check out Alex uh, from Tape Lab. He has a whole bunch of videos on his TikTok and his Instagram detailing how to tape your hands, your wrists, your fingers, your toes, your ankles, or like I said, the shin splints if that's bothering you or anything like that. Now, guys, if you want to save 15% off your next order, use code HUMANZY15. That's HUMANZY15 at checkout. And guys, all the appropriate links and everything will be in the description so you can check out all the amazing tape. And guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. And with that said, adios. So guys, you all know him. You all love him. You've all watched the 10 for 10 on his fucking YouTube channel again and again and again because I know you're all a bunch of... You know, cheap, cheap bastards who want to just watch the YouTube videos and not pay for membership. We got Sebastian Broch from Yoga BGJ. How's it going, Sebastian? Oh, it's very good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, I can't say much in the 10 for 10 regard because I just fucking done one because, like, uh, I have no money. So I'm like, oh, yeah, let's just do 10 for 10. <laughs> uh, but, guys, <laughs> for anyone who, you know, trains jitsu and, uh, you know, you might you might be, uh, might be getting injured a little bit. And, you know, it's a great way to not be injured. Yoga. So, you know. Yoga and Jiu-Jitsu, Yoga for BJJ. For anyone who doesn't know him, he, he runs like the most, how do I say this? The most, the most useful fucking product that if you actually do Jiu-Jitsu, you know, you won't get injured all the fucking time. So Sebastian, how are you getting on today? I'm, uh, I, I'm great. I'm standing here in the, on a, on a pair of jeans under some t-shirts in the, in my uh, grocery store, because that's where I have the best connection and the most quiet surroundings. Uh, Spain, uh, I, I've been living in Spain for almost a year and I still haven't managed to find a good internet connection. This is kind of the best I am. And, and about the 10, that 10 in 10, like uh, being a sheep ass and just doing the YouTube videos is absolutely fine by me. But I just want people to know that that is like going to jiu-jitsu and only ever doing the warm-ups. It's like you're never going to experience the really good stuff when you're when you're ju- quitting halfway. So uh, I, I definitely, definitely recommend people to do more than just the 10 in 10. That's kind of just like, the, hey, this is, uh, this is not so dangerous after all. You can actually do it. So mm-hmm. like just watching or listening to the intro of a song is never going to, you're never going to get the real experience. Unless it's just a really good riff from a certain song, then you can sort of butt up with it. Like if it's a true to fire in the flames or it's just a 10 minute <laughs> guitar solo, that's the only exception, I guess. <laughs> but guys, I will attest. I guys, I, I swear to God, I'll shut up in a second and actually get on to some good line of questioning. But like, I actually, back when I had money and had yoga for BJJ properly, <laughs> uh, there was so much fucking content and it like delves into so many certain pos- yeah, positions because like I used to have a huge problem with my knee and I just do all the knee stretches. I'm like, oh my God. My knee doesn't hurt anymore. What an idea! <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, I I have a I have a mantra that I kind of repeat over and over and drill into people's heads. We love jujitsu. All of us love jujitsu, right? But jujitsu doesn't love us back. The way we train jujitsu is just it's not sustainable. You can't do jujitsu for fifty years. Nobody does jujitsu for fifty years. My goal is to make jujitsu. I don't want to use the word holistic, but kind of more balanced and more sustainable so that you can train until you're 70 instead of quitting mm. at 45. Most people begin jiu-jitsu at like 35 plus 
and then they quit at 45, 50, like 10, 15 years. Like most people, when they get a black belt, they kind of stop sparring so hard and kind of bar once or twice a week. And that's not what I want. I want to be able, like, I, for me, the biggest uh, regret in life is not being able to roll with the legends that are still alive, like like uh, Hickson Gracie and these guys. I would love to roll with them, but they can't because they murdered themselves with, you know, Jiu-Jitsu and MMA and everything without having that level of integrity in their joints and their spine. Like, they're broken. Look at everybody who is 50-plus. They can't, they can't, they barely can't walk many of them and let alone train and my goal is definitely that the kids that are coming into jiu-jitsu today that they can do jiu-jitsu until seven yeah because like you know let's be fair if you take like hickson as an example when he was coming up the way people would train it's just like they'd murder each other every fucking session and then when they compete it's all just hardcore sure even look at him he done the fucking valet tudo stuff from like the fucking late 80s and early 90s and like you don't go and do the Valley Tudo stuff without getting just uh, your fucking limbs and joints annihilated. Even if you were winning and not 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 lo- and not getting your fucking ass handed to, it's still you know strenuous. But like what you say, yeah. you know when Ty- when Tyro Toto is fifty, he'll be grand. He- you know because I think they all stretch and stuff. Yeah, well, it's kind of uh, there is a saying called "youth is wasted on the young," and the older you get, the more you kind of cynically agree with that because. Youngsters, they can get away with not warming up and going really hard and training three times a day. But maybe it is because they are doing that, that they turn old so fast. I would argue that. So if you start early to do smart choices, then just that alone, just that alone will lengthen your career a lot by not, you know, ending up in... Like, I've seen people deliberately breaking their own arm in an armbar by not tapping. Uh, and and that's not a recipe for a long career, even if you're the best in the world. Uh, and and doing yoga, the, the kind of stuff that I try to preach, is not only good for your joints and your muscles, but it's good for your ego and your mind as well, because you make smarter choices. You know your limits, and playing within those limits will push the limits. You don't have to go outside the comfort zone and break your arm or, you know, uh, dying every training. And, you know, because when you're outside the comfort zone too much, then you don't grow. You have to know and learn and respect your limits in order to push those limits. And that's, I don't think that's talked about enough. Hmm. So guys, you heard it first from here that if you buy a yoga BGJ, you'll never get armbarred ever again. <laughs> no, no but... you will tap. No, you will that... tap. You, you will tap in time. Uh, I tap so much now compared to before I did yoga because my ego was a lot more unrealistic and detached from reality. When I do yoga and I know I can't do a five-second handstand today because I did it in the warm-up and I did like four seconds, I'm like, I'm off today. Uh, This is not a good day, which means I'm going to tap a lot. So the kind of doing doing the same warm-up every day, like same yoga warm-up every time helps me to, to assess and take the, it's a, like a litmus test or a temperature check and see where am I today? And this is not something people do enough, I think. They just go in and it's kind of random uh, how they, you know, if you let your ego decide, then you will break your joints. And I'm never breaking my joints again in spar. Even though I spar really goddamn hard, I never end up breaking anything because I, I'm playing within my limits and constantly pushing those limits. 
Hmm. Uh, that reminds me of a question someone just sent me there on Reddit. So what's it? I can't pronounce that name. That's very strange. Uh, if you say so, the question is: if you only, if you only were allowed to do the very same twenty minute yoga slash stretching routine every day for the rest of your life, how would you structure it? Uh, exactly the way I structured it with the level one teacher training. Uh, me and my wife, we have been teaching yoga for. Uh, she's been teaching well over a decade, and I've been teaching for uh, about a decade, eleven years. Uh, and uh, we 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 know exactly where the level is for beginners. Even if you're a black belt in jiu-jitsu or are a complete beginner, we still have to do the same fifty to a hundred different moves every day because. When we sleep, we're not really getting re re restorative sleep. We're sleeping in a position that makes us sore when we wake up. And all of our spines work the same. All of our knees and shoulders and hips and elbows and ankles work the same way. It's the same technology in all our bodies, which means that we all need kind of the same starting point and the same basics. It's just like a recipe. Like you need water to boil and you need the uh, fat to, in order to, for things to fry. And it's the same thing with, with like, uh, the way I structured the yoga for BJJ warm-up, like the official warm-up that you learn when you become an instructor, is it's it's like it feels best when it's done in 30 minutes, but it can be squeezed down to 20 minutes. And that's, uh, I, I can't come up with anything better than that. It's the best I have. And everybody who does it feels completely different compared to running in circles and doing jumping jacks and push-ups and counting to 10, which is kind of the basic military warm-up that I, despise from the bottom of my dirty soul i hate it so much like when we run in circles in a training i die every time a little bit inside uh, because it's not making us better at anything except running in circles uh, like it has its uses in in where i come from in in sweden and norway like running uh, is, is is a good way to warm up because you're cold it's literally cold half the year and you need to kind of just get the heat up before you start doing stuff but other than that, it has no use. So I'm definitely doing my best to replace all jiu-jitsu warm-ups around the world with something productive that teaches us how to move and kind of connect with ourselves. Mm. Now, I'm right there with you with the fucking running around in circles. I'm like, man, okay, at the old gym I used to train at, the fucking the, the warm-ups would just consist of running around in circles and doing the fucking forward rolls. I'm like, yeah. okay, that's another thing. I'm like, bro, at, at some points, like... Okay, I'm not, not trying to sound arrogant or anything, but I've been training for six years. I've done enough fucking forward rolls. Like, come on. You know, like, that, at some point, that's not going to make you a better grappler anymore. I think after the one-year mark, doing a forward roll doesn't help you in your jiu-jitsu at all. But, like, you know, if, to be fair, the new gym I'm at, we, all we do is just yoga for the fucking warm-up. So I'm like, ah, oh, nice. Stretching. Yeah, stuff. All the, I'm, I'm, re I'm really happy to hear that. But uh, what, one thing about forward rolls nothing is bad in and of itself it's the way it's done so like when we do forward rolls after two minutes my body is has 32 years of mileage on the mat i don't feel like doing forward rolls immediately after the warm-up and before we start sparring i could do with like with like five or ten forward rolls because it, it, it has some value but uh, the thing i want to get to is that the way we teach warm-ups is not progressive it is black or white, one or zero, A or B. It's like uh, you do a forward roll, and after five years, you've had enough because there is no progression. If we were doing a handstand into a forward roll into a one-legged balance with your eyes closed, that would be a nice challenge. 
it's still a forward rule, but we added levels and layers of stuff that is valuable, like balance on the hands and balance on the foot and kind of focus and concentration when you close your eyes. That's the way we need to structure not only the warm-ups, but also the jiu-jitsu that, okay, everybody gather around, look at this technique, ABC, this is how it's done, all the white belts go out practice. Blue belt, look at this. It's important to keep the weight in the center when you do a knee slide. Okay, go and practice. Purple belt, you know, that you have layers and layers and layers of information and challenges that is appropriate to people's skill level. That is something teachers need to learn. Now that makes a lot of sense. Cause like, you know, you see people like even just example, the forward roll there, you know, the fucking handstand into forward roll and this the fucking single leg balance. Fucking hell man. Uh, speaking of single leg balance, we're like, I was, we were doing it the other day, man. I gotta fucking, I gotta work on my fucking balance. Cause like we're doing like the forward fold with just the, with the one leg and like fucking hell. That is, uh, that's not easy. <laughs> no, no, it's not. And, uh, uh, I, I'm thinking about, I don't want to, um, I don't want to trash anyone, but I've heard that a lot of people say you have to base your game on your skills, not your attributes, which is definitely legitimate. 50, I, I agree 50%, because if you're really strong and you just base your game on strength, you're going to hit a ceiling eventually and not get better. I have a, a friend, he's been a black belt for maybe 12 years. And he still hasn't learned a proper hip escape. Last time I sparred with him, he didn't know how to hip escape because he basically bench presses people off. And that's been working for 99% of the time. And he doesn't really care when he, when he doesn't, he can't bench press anyone inside control and he just gives up and kind of lets them mount him. Uh, so, so you will reach a ceiling when you base your game only on attributes. But I think if you base your game on skills only, you will also reach a, a ceiling. So you have to base your game on, if you want to reach your maximum potential, you have to work on your attributes and your skills. And and usually the number one thing we think about in Jiu-Jitsu is the example I took is strength. If you do steroids, you will get stronger. If you do gym, you will get stronger. But you will never, ever, ever be the strongest guy in the world for more than maybe a month. And then someone else finds a, a, another way to get stronger. And even if you are the strongest guy in the world, you will never get more than five or 10% stronger in the gym than the second best guy ever. It's impossible. You can't be six times stronger than the next strongest guy. So I think there is a point of diminishing return for strength. You need a base strength. And the more strength you have, the easier the techniques will be because, you know, if you can overpower his leg with one arm, then you have about 20 more options when you pass the guard. But I think there is so many, uh, so many, uh, not skills, what do you call it, um, at attributes that are underlooked, like balance. Like if you are really good at balance, and my wife has extremely good balance because she did yoga and horse riding her whole life and dancing. So she is so good at balancing that when I try to sweep her, she feels like a rock. And I'm like, what's 20 pounds heavier than her? It's so hard to sweep her just because she knows where to position her body. And that doesn't take any uh, intelligence or um, stamina or strength. It's, you, know, you, you have endless balance. You will never lose your balance. Like when you practice it and it's good, it's going to be really good. And you're not going to get swept. And suddenly people call you strong. They call you technical, but it's not true. It's just balance. And the same can be said for breath. 
when you are good at breathing, uh, you are not fatiguing, you're not gassing out. And the reverse is true if the other guy is bad at breathing and you can manipulate that by putting pressure on his breath while you're breathing well, that's basically how I base my game right now, is I'm trying to compromise his diaphragm and his breathing while I'm breathing really well. And then after four, five, six, seven, eight minutes into the match, it's like the, the difference between us is huge. Even though his skill level is much higher, he's so far down the, the, the gas tank that I can basically just run him over with the B techniques that not usually working. The same can be said for a posture. If you are really strong, look at one of the, I'm not going to say his name, but one of the guys in uh, ADCC, uh, one of the best guys in history. He has a lot of muscle, but his posture is horrible. And I could see when he was fighting how his body was working against him because he, th this super rounded shoulders, rounded back thing, it just compromised his breathing and his techniques and his strength and his flexibility, everything. And also, the posture is not something that, that will deteriorate when you learn the skill of having good posture. You, it will feel easier to be in perfect posture uh, than not being it. It takes some years. It, it's a skill like everything else. And lastly, flexibility. Uh, flexibility is one of those things that the, mo the more people smash you and, and stretch your flexibility to the point, to the end point, it gets better and better during the whole fight. So by the start of the fight, maybe my flexibility is at 80%. By, by the end, it's like 115% because the guy smashed me and I used my flexibility. It, it just gets better and better. And if I base my game on that flexibility and have him play his strength against my flexibility, his strength will deteriorate while my flexibility gets better and better. So I think it has so much potential. And all of the things that I mentioned here is things that is key and fundamentals in yoga. Yoga is not about making your biceps bigger or being able to lift more, but it's a it, you're able to do more with all the other things that you have. I think you should lift weights, but if you only lift weights and then you miss out on those other 19 attributes that are super beneficial in jiu-jitsu. And like all in all, everything I said now, all of these things only take time. They don't take so much effort. They might take uh, swallowing the ego a little bit. When you fall, when you're standing on one leg and you fall over, you feel stupid and shitty and like untalented. But that's the only way to improve. You won't get better by feeling good at something. You get better by feeling shitty at something. But it feels so damn good to be able to nail your first three-second handstand that it's addictive and it, you know, it, it, it spills over in so many ways over into jiu-jitsu that it's, it's impossible to explain. I talked to a white belt guy. Uh, he, has a, he has a podcast uh, as well in America. And he said, basically, he, he quit jiu-jitsu during COVID. He had been practicing for six months. And then he came back now six months ago. And he's basically been blasting through the, the stripes and surpassing all his teammates because he like started seriously doing yoga while he started jiu-jitsu. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to come back to jiu-jitsu and I'm not going to get injured this time. I'm going to do yoga. And he just progresses so fast because he's, he's teaching his body how to move on the yoga mat. And then when it comes to jiu-jitsu, he doesn't have to teach his body how to move. He just has to learn the technique. So like 80% of the job is done already. So I mm -hmm. felt like I've been uh, blasting you here, but uh, please, uh, please no, comment no, on that. Cool. No, no, I get what you're saying, but like, uh, What's it called? Sure. Like what you just said with your man, like blasting through everything, like blasting through all the belts and stripes and stuff because he knows that the move should do. 
it's like it's like a meme at this point like because we've all seen like uh i know how many times have we seen like people who can break dance just come in and just like i know get their black belts in three or five years because yeah dude if you if you know how to fucking move your body like it is just biomechanical movement at the end of the day so if you're really good at yoga you're really good at even what you said your wife like she danced for a few years so even you just know what to do like you know with your body so because the biggest because i used used to help teach with beginners way back when and literally the hardest thing was just sorry excuse me was just teaching them how to how to move it's like oh just put your body like this and they're just like looking at you like what what do you fuck you on about putting my body like that that's that's pretty strange bro now but if people already know that, how to do it, like like you said, after work yeah. is done. Now that you say that, I'm thinking maybe this is the key to 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 solving the white belt curse. The white belt curse is that people come in, they get a white belt, and 90% of them, 80 to 90% of people quit before blue belt. And that's the statistics all over the world. Maybe it's not because jiu-jitsu is fucking weird and we're wearing a pajamas and, uh, you know, where we have weird names for stuff there is a meme that says i came to learn to fight and then i i'm uh, a bunch of nerds in pajamas are are playing uh, pretending to be shrimps uh, maybe maybe it's because people feel stupid because they don't know how to to move their body in a very basic way that makes them feel untalented and quit if people felt mastery they would never quit if they came to their first five jiu-jitsu lessons and like Hey, I feel like I have a chance of learning this. Then they wouldn't quit. But mm. the reason they quit maybe is because they don't. They like you're trying and you're trying so hard to get them to do a goddamn hip, hip escape, and they can't. And after five times, they're like, "Oh no, they, they, I, I'm 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 feeling bad for this teacher because I'm so stupid that you know this is not good for either of us. So I'm just gonna find something else to do." Uh, and that's that's why like my my whole key to my business model now is to teach teach jiu-jitsu people how to move so that the instructor can teach teach them what they're good at which is jiu-jitsu i teach them how to move you teach them jiu-jitsu that's kind of my deal mm. now that that makes a lot of sense man the way you're like because if people are doing ridiculous moves like the shrimp or the fucking you know backward this like uh the backwards roll into the handstand stuff or like uh or even reverse forward shrimps are fucking ridiculously weird people won't yeah. understand it's like oh i can't i don't get because you know if people understand and they can do the move after the first few classes they're like oh i can do this uh i don't know judo throw to fucking pin to fucking this arm bar that feels cool and fluid and i feel like i can learn this shit because yeah. you know like i imagine say someone starts yoga you know it's pretty simple just teach them oh yeah this is a this is a child's pose this is downward dog this is sphinx pose it's not like you're they're making them do that while going up and down a mat you know imagine yeah. it's you know yeah we have we have several things to talk about there that this up and down the mat is everybody should stop it immediately because it's space inefficient and a jiu-jitsu class is usually never more than 90 minutes so you are you are capped on time and when you do things over the mat uh, most of the time you spend is just standing and waiting for your turn because usually there is only two lines and if there's 20, 30 people then 85% of the time of warm-up you're just stand, standing around looking at people and that also like when people are like when there is someone behind you you feel stressed that you can't do it in your own time plus people are watching so this is this is something we have to get away from like if you're listening to this and teaching that stop it immediately because there is so many 
good alternatives to doing things over the mat. Uh, and uh, another thing is that if I teach people the, the reverse hip escape over the mat, I know this is difficult stuff. And it kind of has to be done over the mat, but we can do it uh, uh, from the long side to the long side. Everybody does it at the same time so that, you know, you're not look at, looking uh, around uh, or, or looking at people. Then I would say, okay, here is two options. Either you this, do this one. This one is pretty difficult, but in order to learn this one, we can do this. And then I do the butt scoot. And then I, you can sit up and use your hand and then scoot over the mat. Everybody can do that. So you always give an alternative so that if it's too difficult for someone, you don't have to micromanagement and go there and have a kind of impromptu private lesson while everybody's watching. You always give a modification, an alternative that is doable and that also teaches you the fundamentals to make you uh, a able to do the more difficult one. This is something we always do when we teach yoga and something that is never done in jiu-jitsu. So Jiu-Jitsu has so much to learn from the from the principles. Like yoga is about teaching people how to move. And th this is something that Jiu-Jitsu is lacking. And that's where I come in. Mm. Now that makes a lot of sense. And even the way you're, you're telling that you should te that you teach an alternate variation, or even when you're doing, example, when I was watching some of the 10 for 10 stuff last night, you're like, oh, if you want to make it more difficult, you can do this variation. Or if you want to make it easier, you can do that variation. Yes. So, you know, you have options and stuff. So, oh, like, exactly. yeah, yeah, almost as if, almost as if you want, uh, almost as if you want more people to be able to know how to do it. Like what an idea. Cause I find lots of jiu-jitsu people, lots of instructors are, you know, they, they, they're a bit silly sometimes like, ah, sure. If he can't learn it fucking anyway, I'm like, bro, do you not want to keep customers and keep people and have people to train with? Like what's wrong with you? Yeah, if you if you don't if you don't care for beginners, then you don't like jiu-jitsu. <laughs> that that's that's a simple fact. And we can summarize this whole this whole uh, discussion with a forward roll. Everybody in the world should be able to do a forward roll because it might save you from breaking your neck one day. It's one of the basics, like swimming. Everybody in the world should know how to swim, and everybody should know how to do a forward roll. But for the people who are have limitations either in their mind or body that they don't know or dare to do a forward roll, we need to give them an alternative that will teach them the basics in order to learn it later. And people like you who have been doing forward rolls for so long that they're boring and they don't give you anything, we need to give you a challenge so that it's like a, it's not black or white, it's a progression. This is how we need to approach everything in Jiu-Jitsu if we want to be legitimate teachers. And basically, like, I've been doing yoga for BJJ for 10 years in August. Like, the, the website was created in, in 10 years ago. And I will never succeed with yoga for BJJ by myself. The only way for me to get leverage enough in order to have, my goal is to have a yoga for BJJ teacher and, you know, change the warm-ups in every gym around the world that nobody's ever running around the mat again. Uh, and in order to do this, I can't do it myself. I need teachers. I need to instruct and, and educate teachers so that they're teaching yoga well, mobility, flexibility well. And but as a side effect, they will teach jiu-jitsu well. Uh, my, my employee, Adam, he, he, he was a black belt when he started yoga for BJJ. And he got so much better at teaching jiu-jitsu from the way he was teaching yoga that he, he felt completely really, he was struggling so much with anxiety from teaching because he was just rambling on for 15 minutes straight when he was teaching a technique and telling people everything. 
And then by teaching the mobility flexibility yoga warm up, it's like, oh, oh, people don't want to hear a lot. They want to hear the minimum. Ah, and I want to give them space. Ah, so he he basically just by teaching him how to teach a warm up, he got a much better uh, jiu jitsu instructor. And this is what I want. Now, see, now that makes a lot of sense. Like even like I used to do this fucking. I went like to college for this short period of time, and they were teaching us this like what's it this sports course and they're teaching us how to like teach people exercises and your man was just like yeah just memorize like some teaching points and stuff and don't be going on 15 minute fucking uh 15 minute fucking with what's it diatribes and stuff exactly because like how many times have we got because i've gone to like seminars or classes where people are going at 30 minute fucking lectures and stuff i'm like bro it's i just horrible. want to do the fucking move i don't want to it's hear horrible. so guys this is a this is a kimura from psych control it's called the double wrist lock and catch wrestling or a gake udagarami in judo i'm like dude i don't give a shit what's called in yeah. judo just show me what the fucking yeah. benjamin's arm the wrong way like come on yes yes and and uh we have to learn layers <laughs> if if i have a real like there is a there is a youtube channel called big thing and they have something called expert explains black holes in five different levels of understanding. And it starts with a five-year-old and then a 15-year-old and then an adult and then kind of a semi-expert and then a super expert in the field. And he explains the same thing five times for five different belt levels, basically. That's how we need to instruct. If I want to teach people uh, John Smith single leg, then I say, okay, everybody look at this. Uh, he snaps you down. As soon as he snaps you down, you shoot with your head in between the legs and then get your shoulder to his knee. And then when he sprawls, you lift your head. And that's basically it. Everything from there, will you will figure it out later. Okay, white belt to go practice. Now, blue belts, you know, <laughs> this, is how we, this is so much better than talking nonstop for 15 minutes because everybody knows after those 15 minutes, you basically remember half a percent of all the words he said. But if you get five tries, like we do it this five times, if we, if we have 30 minutes to drill this one technique, which I definitely, I hate when we do more than one technique in 30 minutes because you don't have time to learn the nuances. Uh, so 30 minutes, one technique, we do it for five minutes and then we meet up and then I say, I didn't tell you this, but it will make it a lot easier if I post my hand here instead of here and then wait with my foot until his hand is there. Okay, go practice this. And they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then, like, I don't get it. And then I have time to go around and help people individually if they didn't understand. But, you know, teaching nonstop, lecturing nonstop for 10 minutes, and then ask people, do you have any questions? That's the most stupid thing in the whole goddamn world. You should never, ever have people ask you questions in public. That's not how jujitsu, that, that, that's so inefficient. You show people for two minutes what we're going to do and give people a chance to, you know, just feel it out and experiment. And then you go around and people ask you questions when they raise their hand. And then you have four, five, six, seven, eight questions asked to you while other people are busy learning. And then you select the best question based on, on, on the, the context and the, the situation, because that's what you're assessing as a teacher. Like, okay, this is a, this is a question that makes a lot of sense right now. 
So basically by them asking you questions, they are telling you which the next step is in teaching. And then you look around and you see everybody struggling with that hand wrist grip. And then you say, okay, so everybody gather around. I didn't tell you this, but if you grab the wrist like this, you have the option to push the arm out and he can't grab your arm, right? That's a, that's a detail that I left out. And someone asked me this question and this is, this is perfect right now. This is exactly what you can focus on right now if you're having this trouble, okay? Go practice. I think that's a more effective way to approach it. Because like, let's say you get everyone to break off and drill, drill the move for a couple of minutes. Let's say it's like a knee slice and stuff. And you know, you get people to come back in. It's like, oh guys, you have any questions about the move? Everyone is, jiu-jitsu people are so fucking awkward and socially, yes. socially, socially inept that no one's going to raise their hand and be like, oh yeah, actually, uh, how the fuck do you like, Get your knee in there. I was like, well, bro, because no one's going to ask the question, you know, but like if you go around and observe, are, some, you know. some people will ask. And the, the gym I used to train, we had three people that loved asking questions. And I hated every time they opened their mouth because the question was almost always irrelevant. And they basically either asked the question just to show everybody how much they knew or they ask just for the sake of asking they didn't really want to know the answer and that was killing me because every second that passed was less time for sparring because the teacher didn't respect the 45 minutes like we we're always doing 45 minutes of sparring and now it's 40 minutes and now it's 38 minutes and now it's 35 minutes god damn it i hate this sport that's not what you want you want every you want everybody to to feel like uh, because it's not about what you teach, it's about what people learn. <laughs> so so, so you, you need to find a way that makes everybody there happy, and that's possible. You can always, always have the cake and eat it too with good strategy and, and good uh, principles of teaching. So, so this, is, this is one of the side effects of Yoga for BJJ is that you're just getting better at teaching Jiu-Jitsu because teaching Yoga is infinitely more harder than teaching Jiu-Jitsu. In order to teach Jiu-Jitsu, you basically just have to know Jiu-Jitsu and then not doing stupid mistakes like asking people for public uh, questions. It's very simple. But teaching yoga is a lot harder because you have to lead the whole class with your words and your your demonstration. And it's uh, if you can teach yoga, you can definitely teach Jiu-Jitsu. And I basically made yoga teaching yoga a whole ton easier than you know taking a two hundred hour, two thousand dollar yoga course where which. Basically, most of the things they teach you is uh, irrelevant yoga nonsense, uh, like chakras and uh, yoga philosophy and history and stuff that has no application in jiu-jitsu, uh, and just made it very simple for people to give them a starting point. And that, that's what I'm focusing on most now, is not you know selling one-on-one accounts to random people around the world. Uh, I did that for 10 years, and it has limited impact on the jiu-jitsu community. So now I'm focusing on educating gym, gym owners and instructors uh, to, to learn how to teach mobility and flexibility and yoga well as the part of warm-up and cool-down of academy. So that's that, that's what I'm doing now is online teacher trainings. Mm. Uh, so you just made a question pop up in my head when you were talking about people asking questions that aren't relevant to the, th- to the thing. So like uh, when you were teaching the class, what's the most like out there question you've been asked while teaching like say you're doing like Delahiva uh sweeps and someone's asking you oh yeah how do i do anaconda choke from here and you're like bro like what's like the, just the most out there question you've received when you're in the middle of teaching well I, I can't recall anything like that because i kind of set i learned this from yoga very early 
which is preemptive. I kind of preemptively frame the things by, I never let, I never let them ask it ask questions like that i never leave leave it as open as you know it's of course i've probably been asked like how do you do an anaconda show from hilo uh, but uh, that's because i haven't that's my that's my bad as a teacher because i didn't steer their mind in the right direction uh, i want to i want to engage people uh to 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 be interested in what we're doing right here if they're asking about anaconda they don't they don't know if, if so, they don't care about the situation we're, we're in enough. I didn't make it interesting enough. And my my goal when I teach is to make it so interesting that people are completely engulfed and they don't care if they miss five minutes of boring because they really want to learn this stuff. And they feel like this is, one, a good technique. And two, I think it's a good technique for me. I think I can apply this in my game instantly and get better at jiu-jitsu. That's what I'm trying to achieve. The, the most silly questions I've ever been asked was when I was teaching a yoga class at a, at a normal gym. And she asked me to change my accent because she couldn't understand me. I'm like, well, well, I would love to be able to change my accent, but that is a bit difficult. And then she was super hurt and she she stormed out after the class crying. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, Bro, know. like she stormed out because you wouldn't affect a ridiculous American accent. Like, hey guys, no, no, we're no, gonna do no, a no, forward no, no, was, I was teaching. I was teaching in Norwegian, and she was like Russian, and she didn't speak. Like, I had like a Swedish Swedish accent, and and I kind of laughed at her because I I thought the question was so uh, so crazy. So she she was kind of offended. I felt bad about it, but I I definitely oh, didn't okay. change my accent. <laughs> so, bro, have you ever tried? Okay. Someone can change your accent for about a minute, like maybe if you're just telling the joke or like making, you know, trying to make someone laugh or like telling yeah. the story. But if you try to change your act, like try to change your accent for like an hour straight, you have to consciously be all like, bro, you couldn't pay someone to, if you paid someone's like, I want you to speak in this accent for an hour and not speak in your old accent at all. They're not going to, they're, they're, it's not going to happen. Yeah, but I, I was I was new to teaching, so I wasn't good enough at teaching so that she could understand, even if she didn't speak a word in Norwegian. Now I'm good enough at teaching that I can instruct a bunch of, of, of drunk foreigners that doesn't speak the language, and they still have a good class, because I know how little you need to speak. You need to speak, you always speak the minimum, absolute minimum of words, and do lots of demonstration and make it, you know, easy, easy feeling, funny, jokey. And relaxing and kind of tone down the, the anxiety that that's what i didn't learn and that's why she she got the you know didn't have a good time was i didn't learn the the basics of, of the instructing do you teach a lot of drunk foreigners sebastian i imagine that that everybody i teach is a drunk foreign teenager you know so it's like the teenagers are giggly and stupid and drunk people are giggly and stupid and and foreigner, yeah. foreigners have no idea what you're talking about. So that's the, that's the mm. level I start from. Uh, and I, I don't baby them. You can't baby teenagers. So drunk foreign teenagers, you, they want to feel like babies. They want to be respected, but they also want to... to you, you need to put the, the kind of uh, bar really low and then give them opportunity for everybody who is about to sober up and really cares. I give them options so that they, they're not feeling like the group is holding them back. So that's the that, that that's the the challenge that I'm that I'm always trying to overcome. 
Mm. Or you made something else pop up into my mind there a while ago, but I forgot to ask you there a minute ago. So, okay, we were talking about like uh, all the attributes and stuff you were going on about. Oh, someone has an attribute of being uh, being flexible or being strong or being uh, having good balance. So, like, what do you think of the? Okay, this might seem like a bit of a leap, but uh, I promise it's relevant. What do you think of the whole ten planet guys? Because you know they they do the whole weird system of rubber guard and stuff where they do the. I know people don't like rubber guard because it's fucking a weird fucking move. But like, you know, you have the whole flexibility angle because like lots of these 10 planet guys, they do the crazy fucking stretches and warm ups. And that's like part of their system and shit to like get their black belts to like, oh, yeah, you can't get your black belts unless you do Lotus and shit. So like, I know what's your thinking of the 10 planet guys and their weird yeah, hips I, and their weird I, silly guards? A couple, a couple of things there. Uh, when you start swimming... This is a question for you. It's a trick question. When you start swimming, will you get broader shoulders? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, sure. Because when I see when I see Olympic swimmers, they all have broad shoulders, which means that swimming gives you broad shoulders, right? Not, 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 not. You, your shoulder muscles can get bigger, but you can never change your frame. The way your skeleton is built cannot be changed. And the a level of individual hips, like how your actual uh, femur bone is connecting to your hip, is extremely. There is extreme variability in how how that that joint is uh, made. The when when someone has a lot of mobility in the joint, it means that the joint will pop easier. If someone has extremely restricted mobility, it means that the joint is firmer and can handle more load. It's simple mechanics. And since there is so much variability in how hip joints are designed, some people will be able to, even though they are a runner and they run every day and they never stretch and they're super stiff in their hamstrings and their quads and everything is stiff, they can do lotus without using their hands. And then there are some people who have extremely flexible hamstrings and all the muscles around are super flexible and they will never be able to do a lotus without pain. So putting a requirement of flexibility that everybody who wants a black belt in 10th planet needs to be able to do lotus is basically saying if you can't naturally do a lotus, you shouldn't train here or you should torture your body until it can do something it's not designed to do. This is something they're doing in something called Ashtanga Yoga, which is a system with exact, everybody has to get through the same poses, no matter your, your build and your physical limitations. And this is why people who have been doing this for many, many years and are not built for it, they need a hip replacement surgery after 20 years of yoga because they've been forcing their body into something it cannot naturally do. And the same will happen with 10th planet. If you are hellbent on getting a black belt in 10th planet and you have to do lotus and you stretch every day, some people will still, like most people will be able to stretch until they can do most poses. But if you force yourself through pain, then well, it's stupid and it's torture and it's not uh, based on, on, uh, on, uh, on sound principles and common sense. But uh, saying this about 10th planet, that, that, that there is a space for super flexible rubbery people to be able to use their flexibility as an advantage. They, they basically made a game that is favorable for people who are, you know, 
skinny and and snaky and flexibly and rubbery. I think that's amazing. Imagine if the only thing we had was using lots of steroids and lifting and pumping weights, then we wouldn't have this variability in jiu-jitsu. I think it's awesome that they're, they're, they kind of based their game on, on that flexibility. So Eddie Bravo really did, uh, he paved the way for a completely new group of, of, uh, uh, of skinny, skinny uh, nerds with uh, conspiracy theories and funky rash guards. I think that's amazing. I think jiu-jitsu needs them just as much as they they need the, the big bulky guys. So yeah. Especially the funky rash guards. Especially the funky rash guards. Yeah, the, those, really those, those, those pink those pink and the colorful pastel height is really adding a, a different layer of of, uh, of nuance to Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, I got that. So when you when you're doing your jujitsu and you're trying to tell your parents that yeah, this can be a career, this is a serious sport, and they just look it up and they see a guy in pink tights and a neon green rash sheet, they're like, okay, sure, whatever you say. <laughs> I think yeah, I think to 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 impress your parents, uh, like our generation of parents, the the only way to impress them is by getting a real job, like a like a plumber or a doctor or something, getting a, and they don't realize that. By doing that, that's the kind of best disaster, uh, best recipe for for disaster in in these times. Because these times you have to be super flexible and and adapt and basically learn a new job every three four years if you want to survive in a changing job market. So I don't I don't think that anything, no matter how much money you make or how much success you will make, uh, if your parents don't get it, like they will never be impressed. Mm. Yeah, see, you can go on an hour-long fucking uh, tirade to your parents, but how doing a buggy choke will get you like a million dollars in the competition scene is like. But they, they just like, dude, they're like a submission from bottom. Like, go ahead, you the buggy. <laughs> oh, that's another thing, Sebastian. The buggy choke. Uh, what do you think about that? Because it is a, it's a weird one where you need like you know, gangly limbs and fle- and weird flexibility. You know. You know, um, I, the, the moment dude. I saw it, I liked it because I like making traps. And when people pass my guard, I want there to be immediate consequences and like immediate regret. I want them to be hesitant to pass my guard. So I like having attacks when they think they have an advantage. And the buggy choke, I I, I have the I have a really good uh, um, I have really good proportions for being able to get my elbow deep into and kind of grabbing my own foot. Uh, the buggy choke itself, I struggle because people, put, I never managed to, to hip escape out to get the angle where they can't put pressure on me. So when I do buggy choke, people kind of just pressure me and I can't breathe. They just lay on top of my diaphragm and squeeze me. So I, I kind of came up with something called a reverse buggy choke, which is basically, imagine I have a scarf hold and you roll me over so that I'm on the bottom. I still have the scarf hold, but I'm on the bottom, right? And then from there, I do the buggy. So I just stick my hand in and, and do the buggy that way. So it's kind of a, it's basically just a reverse buggy. It's a buggy on the other side. I have extreme success with that one, uh, especially on people who are have a wide frame, like big, strong guys in the upper body, because they can't pull out. They can't pull their shoulder and head out. They're stuck inside this tight space. And I'm, I'm working on kind of like arm wrestling um, pressure to increase the pressure by a percent or two. Uh, because usually I don't get the tap, but people get so gassed out and they almost can't breathe so that I can roll them over into scarf hold and then I can tap them. 
so I, I, I love this kind of attack. And usually I use all these attacks from bottom side control, not to tap people, but in order for them to kind of escape my attack, which sets up perfectly for me to do a hip escape or a jailbreak or, or whatever I need to get back to guard. So being offensive in, in side control is very useful because it helps you to distract them and you can basically do the more the, the common escape. Hmm. Uh, see, it's it's funny because like I, I I I try to I can shoot a buggy choke reasonably well off of, like one side. If someone passes me this side, I can shoot a buggy choke reasonably well. I can do like the one armed one leg buggy choke, but I can't tap anyone who's like my size. I can tap people who are like slightly smaller than me or if they're skinny, I can do it. But like fucking um, what's it called? But. Even the, I use it to like stand up and get my guard back because like someone like double legs me our day and we're just fucking beating the shit out of me. But I just shot a buggy choke and used it to fucking get height and get stand up. I'm like, okay, I'll just take this because like I I don't have the proportions to be doing crazy buggy chokes. I'm a uh, I'm normal sized. <laughs> yeah, I really like when when people put a lot of effort into taking you down and if you can time your counter well and you get a guillotine or a triangle or an armbar or a buggy choke, whatever it is. I love to to punish people for doing the right thing. Like they did, a, they executed a perfect double leg, and now they're they're stuck in deep shit and trying to get out of a guillotine or something. I, I think that's beautiful. I, I like punishing people for for you know their effort. Sure. it's funny you bring that up because I rolled at this judo guy a few months ago. He was visiting. He was a black belt in judo, and he hit the most perfect drop senagi. Just back when I trained in the gi, he hit the most perfect back drop senagi you ever did see. But man, I just took his back and fucking bought an arrow choked him a second later. So I'm like, okay, yeah. cool, bro, that was an awesome Sedagi. And it was fucking picturesque. It was beautiful. But you're tapping. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, man. Not to shit on judo. I, that's just an example. I, I I have an appreciation for the, for the old judo stuff. I actually, uh, I know one of your questions were, were what I'm working on right now. And, uh, I have been doing judo. I did judo for about 16 years before I started jiu-jitsu, and I have so many skills that are that I love. I love the skills that I have uh, attained from judo, especially the, the defense standing and kind of the, all this all these hip throws and big throws that I love to do with the gi. And I thought I had to throw them out the window because I didn't know how to how to throw someone without the gi, uh, or you know when when people are standing in a really defensive posture like they do in jiu-jitsu but now in nogi i'm discovering like w with all the awesome techniques that are on youtube and instagram and the wrestling and analysis i'm like okay so if i use some wrestling grips and do the setup from wrestling i can use my judo throws and then basically land inside control with a super powerful grip and tap people so first I slam them and then immediately I move into kind of a scarf hold or, or something where there is a lot of pressure on their diaphragm. So I, first I shock them and then I kind of panic tap them. I'm like, wow, this is super powerful. Like using the, instead of in wrestling where they kind of do a suplex and, and throw themselves like a lat drop, this is typical in jiu-jitsu. Instead I'll use my hip throws and I achieve the same thing, but instead of them landing on all fours and I only get two points in wrestling, I get like in ADC three rules, I get a clean takedown, which is what, three or four points. And then I land in a perfect side control. So I don't even have to pass the guard. So this is this is what I'm working on, I, especially from the overhook. People love taking underhooks and I love the overhook, the whistler. 
uh, and I'm starting to experiment with when they grab my other arm, like when they grab my wrist, I kind of feed their arm to my overhook hand and suddenly I have a two-on-one. So I'm grabbing both their arms with my arm and then I can just hip toss them to, to, to death. It's like mm. I, I hit them with a planet when they fall because they have no hand to kind of, it's just legs in the air and then bam, right into side control. So that's what I'm really excited about working on now. And that's, I'm coming to the UK and Ireland. Ireland I'm coming to in, in June. Uh, you have to follow me on Instagram to get the exact dates. But I think I'm coming Wednesday to, to Sunday and teaching seminars uh, in, in uh, Kil Kilkenny for sure. And I haven't, I haven't booked uh, all, all of them yet. But, uh, and I'm going to work on this when I, when I come because I, I'm so excited about it. Hmm. Oh man, I can't wait to you know, can't wait, can't wait for you to be in the, you know in the same uh, same country as me. We can go and uh, go have a pint, as they say. <laughs> we can go, we can go get really drunk and then lecture all the fucking uh, all the drunk tourists, <laughs> all the drunk tourists. That's, but yeah, that's actually that, that that's actually not not to to dismiss your invitation. I would love to come for a for a pint, man, but not uh, not alcohol because I never drank alcohol in my whole life. I took my first drink when I was thirty one and my last when I was thirty two. So I basically had two drinks uh, in my whole life. I never had a beer, and I think that's one of the advantages that I have now after so many years on the mat is all these things. I didn't smoke. I didn't smoke at tobacco or weed or alcohol. I kept really clean, and I think that's why my cardio is kind of way ahead of everybody else. Now, if I do a 15-minute fight, I always win the last three minutes, no matter who you are. If I last for 13 minutes, you're going to die the last two minutes because my cardio is absolutely insane compared to the average. So, so I like, I'm, uh, yeah, but I would, I would still want to, want to come for a pint of something else, but, uh, yeah. Uh, that's me being a stereotypical. I don't actually drink at all anymore. I haven't drank in, <laughs> in two years. I haven't drank in two. This is, this is coming from an Irishman. So that's how you know, it's, it's weird. I, I'm going to tell you a joke. I'm going to tell you a joke about Irish people. You want to hear it? Yeah, sure. Why not? Bro? This, I've told my fair share of terrible jokes. Yeah, this was a this is a good one. This was a, a, a Irish man came to came to a, a, the pub pub pub, and uh, and uh, he's, he ordered uh, three uh, three pints, and then he did it the same every time he came. He ordered three pints, and and the other guy, and the barman was like, "Why are you always ordering three? He says, "Because I have two brothers, and every time we order, we we order as if the other two are there," and he's like, "Oh, that's a nice tradition." And uh, and then one day he came back and he, and he only ordered two. And the barman was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. And he's like, oh, no, 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 they're, they're both fine. It's just that I quit drinking. <laughs> I, I think that one was really funny. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. That's pretty funny. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> uh, man. I wish I had some Norwegian or Scandinavian or Swedish sort of jokes because I'm like, those people are just very, they're stereotypically very polite and very nice. So there's not a lot to make fun of. It's like, did you hear about that Scandinavian who was too polite? Yeah, everyone liked him. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, one thing I would love to do is see the Netflix series True Vikings because the way Vikings are depicted are just like pirates, completely detached from reality. You know that Vikings they yeah. kind of lay the foundation of democracy in the uk and and, and it, even the foundation for for uh, um bureaucracy and bureaucracy and diplomacy and trade was the vikings like they came to uk to do business and they had 
you know, they, they were found like in Viking graves, they were found with the tweezers and scissors on them for trimming their beard. So they were like, they, they were posh and they were super, you know, on, on uh, up to date and on par and like they come their hair and they, they were, they were salesmen and businessmen. And then maybe one out of a thousand Vikings were, you know, these raiders in the, in the South, but most of most of uh, about everything they were tradesmen and professionals so i would love to see a depiction of that in in hollywood hmm. like uh do you really want to see a viking show where they're like oh had hadvar would you go fill out form section cb 37 and get ready laughs to get ready laughs to get the inquisitive form and get their requisition <laughs> it's like it's like i would fucking you really want to see that, that? yes and yeah, they're in the they're in the fucking longhouse with they're in the longhouse with the big beards and, the, and suits on, even though it's not not historically accurate. They have the imagine suits on. Like... It, imagine if it's suits, but with Vikings, and it's actually based on on the factual. I think I think this is gonna be not the, this example because it's really stupid, but I think factual Hollywood films that are you know much more based on reality is you know less fiction, and it's it's it can still be lots of sex and drugs and violence and wherever people are are getting the kick out of. But having it being actually factually correct would be amazing. There is this one you you have to you have to Google this or YouTube this. There is a search for uh, the today I found out is the YouTube channel and it's it's called the the female pirate who who ruined the China or something. Uh, it's basically a, a true story about a a, a, a fifteen year old prostitute who turns into the most savage pirate of all time. And it's a true story. I would love to see Hollywood do that and not just come up with stupid scripts, but actually base it on, on real stories. Like, it, 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 literally, man, they, 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 there's a wealth of fucking stuff out there they could adapt, but no, they're too busy. Uh, okay, I'll go on a 60-second rant about that Cleopatra show where they have to race swap everyone. Because, like, literally, it, okay, Everyone, if people don't know, there's, there's, a, there's a Cleopatra show on Netflix where they're trying to sell it as historically accurate, but they're saying this person was black, that person was this, and all the fucking, again, this isn't like a racist thing. It's just historically inaccurate because like um, all the Egyptians are kicking up a fuss being like, we're not black, we're Egyptians and stuff. <laughs> and they're trying to, they're trying to fuck up our history and say this and that. I'm like... There I is a wealth of stuff that I they could literally the, adapt think, without ruins. I stuff. think the anti-woke moment uh, movement is getting a lot of traction. I saw that the rotten, like everybody who's trying to go woke now is getting punished like uh, like Target. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really gone too far. I saw, I saw a documentary called What is a Woman? And I highly recommend everybody to see it. It was a very good documentary. It's called What is a Woman? Very simple, very straightforward, and it kind of explains everything. But back to Jiu-Jitsu, what's your oh, more Jiu-Jitsu questions? Mm, no worries, man. So, okay. Oh, Sebastian, this is a good one. This is very relevant, and it's it's not about uh, weird Netflix documentaries or woke ide ideology. It's uh, what's the worst injury you've ever had in jiu-jitsu? Uh, for sure, my my herniated disc, and that was before jiu-jitsu. I got it in judo, and I was training hard all the time and trying to do strength training without proper technique. So I got injured in in the gym, and I got injured on the mat, and basically having. Uh, a, a disc prolapse, like a herniated disc, is not dangerous. It's just painful, but it can be very painful and very, uh, you know, limit limiting. Uh, and I still have disc degeneration in my lower back. It's never gonna get good again. It's, the the discs are gonna the the vertebrae are gonna fuse eventually. 
but I'm not limited by it now that I have tools. I both have tools to deal with it, which is movement. Uh, and I also have the understanding of, you know, okay, this is pain. And I have this pain because I did this yesterday or the last week. And it's going to take about a week or two to fix. So I, I don't have this agony and and uh, despair that I used to have when I didn't understand it. And I thought I needed a surgery and I knew there was like a 50% chance that the surgery would go bad. And, uh, you know, just yoga has given me the, the, the freedom of and insight to not be limited by either pain or injury. And the thing is, I think the yoga does three things. It makes you injured less often, for sure. And it also, when you get injured, you get injured less severely. And also, you don't stay injured for as long. All of these three things basically contribute to longevity. And that I, I'm so grateful that I took a year off when I had all my herniated discs and, and it was horrible. And I just did yoga for a year and then I came back and I kicked everybody that because suddenly all the stuff that I've been trying to do uh, and I thought the technique was bad or that it was not a technique for me. And then I realized, ah, it was just my attributes. It was my, it was my lack of mobility, flexibility, speed, strength, agility, mobility, all this. That was what was limiting my technique, not the actual technique. So I can't, I can't recommend it enough. I think everybody should give it three weeks, you know, of doing yoga 10, 15 minutes every day. And then they would really get a taste of like, wow, this is the thing that jiu-jitsu is desperately lacking. And that will make jiu-jitsu five times more fun. Hmm. Sure, guys. Like, like, like we just said, if you're a cheap, like at the start episode, if you're a cheap bastard and you just want to do it a 10 for 10 to, to see what the dealio is, to see what, see how it is, see how you feel, see what the crack is, just literally just look up. Yoga Freezer J, ten minutes. You're laughing. Just do that for every day for two weeks, and you know, you, you know. I'll once you, you feel, I'll give you a better amazing, offer. I'll give you a better offer. Everybody who listens to this, send me a DM on Instagram and and say like, I listen to the Human Z Jitsu podcast, and uh, can you give me two months for free? I'll say sure. I'll give you two months for free, so you can try it out for two months. Uh, I never want money to be a limiting factor. I basically the only reason I charge money is so that people respect it because if you give something away for free people don't respect it i gave away maybe 500 free accounts throughout these 10 years and most of them ends up never be used because people don't value free stuff the more i charge the more people value it which is absolutely that, that's just it's stupid but how, how humanity works so the more i charge the more people respect it that's why i have a that's why i have the price points i do no, that, that's a hundred percent fucking. Well, obviously, first and foremost, great fucking deal. Anyone who listens to this episode, if you just text them saying, "Oh yeah, I listened to that very bad podcast," but you know, can I get two months for free? <laughs> that very unprofessional podcast with that uh, weird Irish guy who can't fucking keep keep a coherent sentence straight. Anyways, <laughs> fuck, I I forgot what I was gonna say. I just had something in my fucking brain. Okay, actually, I'll I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell everybody quickly. My 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 new price points are basically casual membership is ten dollars a month. So for nine euros a month, you get you get access to all the ten minute videos, and that's you know if you're a casual, like ten minutes a day is a hell lot of a better than nothing. It's it's actually if you get, can get consistent with ten minutes a day, it's impossible for you to keep doing just ten minutes a day. You will increase it to fifteen minutes, and then eventually you'll be doing an hour of yoga a day. Uh, so that that's why I have that really low threshold, ten ten dollars a, a month. And then the the full one is twenty dollars a month, and then you get access to all the programs and and everything and and rehab videos. And then I have like the premium is fifty dollars a month, and then you get you know 
in private, ask me anything, and and uh, yeah, lots of lots of other perks. But yeah, so I have a really high price point and a really low bar, so that everybody can get started. Hmm. So guys, there's no excuse. If you want to not be injured anymore and you want to, you know, be flexible and mobile, come on. There's no excuse. Come on, guys. Come well, on. Well, there there are there are excuses, and some people live by their excuses. They they base their whole life around excuses, and those people I cannot help yet. I can I can give something that everybody will value when they're ready for it, but not everybody are ready to hear it. Uh, no, you could just go into their houses at night and break their knees and be like, gee whiz, it'd be very handy if you had a fucking uh, a resource to help you with your injured knees, if only such a thing existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't want people to live That's in horrible. ignorance and run in, run in circles anymore. I want people to understand that there is a better way. There is a better way, and it's called yoga for BJJ. <laughs> There, there's the accent. There's the there's there's the terrible accent that the Russian lady wanted. <laughs> okay. Oh, now I remember what I was going to say. Now I remember my terrible points about um you were saying about pricing and stuff because like it's a hundred percent true that if you get like let's say if yoga for BJJ was free and it's been free to pass, well, no one okay, a lot less people would use it because they wouldn't respect it. It's the same thing with like instructionals and like uh stuff like okay, people shit on Gordon Ryan and John Danner for their prices of like let's just say their latest DVD is like, I don't know, fucking $600 or something. Okay, I'll agree that's a bit much, but when you buy it, when you spend $600 on a John Danaher DVD, you're going to fucking watch it. You're going to watch it because you're like, I spent $600 on this fucking thing. You better believe I'm going to watch it and get my value out of it. That's how how it works. That's uh, that's how it works. And imagine, imagine going back. You can't because it's very hard to, to go back 20, 30 years. And let's go back to the Copacabana times when, when jiu-jitsu was all in Rio de Janeiro. The only way you could learn something was joining a gym and then you were absolutely not allowed to train in any other gym. So you were completely limited to this one coach and his uh, weird uh, sexual preferences and, and everything that, that came with this, this kind of mindset and these times. I am so happy this is not the old school days anymore. So god damn grateful that we're living in a time where i can prioritize my life and spend 600 dollars on getting a solution to a problem that i've had for 20 years imagine if this was work if jiu-jitsu was work and you could purchase the solution to your factory's problem that you've had for 20 years you would pay six hundred thousand dollars in order to get this factory fully functioning and you know, for from for an example from my own life, when I'm watching wrestling fanatics, BJ fanatics, but for wrestling, and I see Jaden Cox, two times world champion, say, "My bread and butter is the 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 neck grip and the elbow." I see I see grip the elbow. I'm like, Hallelujah! Now I know where to start. Instead of doing everything randomly that I've been doing, I'm gonna do all of this for a few weeks now. And believe in Jaden Cox, and like, okay, this is where he lives and dies. So, which means that he won the world champion two times. And this, if he says that this is his bread and butter, I'm gonna believe him. And I don't need to sign up to a gym. In, I don't have to go to New York and pay $250 a month to maybe get, you know, a little bit of attention from the head coach once a year. But I can actually study the DVD. And after I have studied the DVD, I will go to YouTube and I will look at all Jaden Cox matches and I see him apply it in real time 
against a resisting opponent of world-class level. So this is an education on a completely different level. I think BJJ Fanatics is one of the reasons why Jiu-Jitsu is developing so fast now, because they have all the best athletes sharing all of their secrets, and you can buy it for a few hundred bucks. Usually it's like $77. And I think uh, you don't just have to go buy Gordon Ryan's DVDs. You can buy the fringe, small, super weird stuff, because if you analyze it, you will find gold nuggets everywhere. And this was this has simply never been possible before. No, it's actually, it's it's funny because when you made me remember something there, so like uh, so you know a few people like we were talking about this at the start of before I started recording. Like everyone who knows the knows the podcast knows I record these in the shed that I built during COVID to train in. I have mats all over the place. Like I trained here a lot and I, I still use it. But a whole bunch of home gyms were built in Ireland all over the gaff, and it's, it's fucking ridiculous because so many people started started jiu-jitsu and then COVID happened, and then they're like, I want to keep training. So they put mats down in somewhere, and then they like got onto BJ Fanatics and bought like, oh, um, white belt curriculum courses or beginner stuff. So even though they didn't have a coach or something somewhere to train, again, this isn't ideal, but you know, it's better than nothing. You know, like, you know, they they were still able to train and get a base of stuff without having to be able, without the ability to go to go to a gym or go to class. And that's another thing. Like, say you want to say you're going to a gym and you're teaching, they're teaching stuff. If you want to learn other stuff and you have a facility and you have the ability, you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna buy this course. Say it's in psych control. We're not learning enough psych control at the gym. I'm gonna learn some psych control in the off time, and you can you know take responsibility for your own learning in that, in that instance. So you're not like waiting for someone else to teach you the special fucking secret yeah. shit. You can look it up yourself. Exactly. Yeah, we, we are living in, you know, coding and and uh, and uh, game development and all of this. I'm, I'm following this co closely with the AI development. And basically they're saying the one-man shows are coming back, which means that, you know, many of the best games in history were made by a single coder in a basement for five years, you know, drinking Pepsi. Uh, and those days are coming back now that you're giving giving them super tools with AI. And the same, I think, is going to be with Jiu-Jitsu. You're going to have people that have no coach and they're just a, a bunch of friends who who download, uh, they buy the DVDs and they, they teach themselves how to move well, maybe with Yoga for BJJ. So they know how to move and they know which techniques to use. And then just by, by sparring against each other, they can just become world champions. I think this is going to happen more and more and more. And you don't have to move to Sao Paulo or or anywhere to uh, to have uh, great results. Oh, bro, this is a quick aside. I would never move to Sao Paulo, dude. I got sunburned last week in fucking Ireland. I wouldn't. <laughs> I would not last there. It was sunny for thirty minutes. I was outside doing like I was working and stuff. I was built. I was like fucking moving stuff outside. I got fucking scalded and I couldn't. I was. I couldn't compete last weekend because I was fucking sunburned and I had a sore neck. I was like, bro, fuck my yeah. life. <laughs> I, I think, but I I think that the only way to get good before was moving to the hell on earth, which is Las Vegas, New York, or Sao Paulo. Like moving to the the biggest, dirtiest, disgusting cities ever uh, was the only way for you to to train with the best. But I don't think it's necessary anymore. I have I have some friends who are winning world class competitions, and they basically just smoke weed and and train with their bodies, and and helping each other. So I, I love this. Uh, not necessarily the weed smoking, but the, the principle of it—that you, uh, that you, that you, that you can get really good by yourself and and with your friends. Mm. 
No, that's fair enough. Because like I, I, I'm, I honestly think like let's say, I like the more informal sort of thing. I like that it, it, like jujitsu is a pretty chill sport now. Like you know, if you want to go smoke a joint before class, you know, as long as you don't stink a fucking weed and don't smoke inside the gym, go crazy, bro. You do you. You know, do what you want. I I don't think uh, I don't think uh, weed will ever come close to the to the level of presence that you get when you learn the other tools like ice baths yoga and breathing will take you to a completely different uh, league of presence than any drug ever will uh, and and th this is kind of the the big tragedy is that people don't know what they're missing it's like like having children if you don't have a if you never have a child you're lucky because you don't know what you're missing out on because if you knew you would be really sad but you know it's it's really horrible that people go through their whole life and don't know the feeling of feeling absolutely super sober you know the, the sobriety that you, that you get after a five minute ice bath and you know 30 minutes of yoga and some jiu-jitsu and then have a pizza and kind of relax uh, relax in your sun chair that you can never ever ever cheat and get that by by inhaling something uh, so so yeah i am I'm I'm, I'm I'm a big i'm a big non non drug user i i've used some things like magic mushrooms like in in some settings that have been really beneficial but just as many times it's not beneficial at all it's just a shortcut that is kind of preventing me from from uh, from experiencing a really good life hmm now, guys, you know what to say. Real winners don't do drugs, unless it's steroids, in which case all the winners do drugs. But let's not talk about that. <laughs> let's not talk about we that. Save, that. We, we save the, the steroids for next time, yeah. Yeah, next time. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, uh, so, Sebastian, I actually have uh, one question left, and then uh, you know I'll leave you off. So this is a weird question I've added recently, and I want to, get, uh, want to know what you think about it. So, which dinosaur do you think could be best suited for grappling? Which dinosaur? I'm really into dinosaurs. I have a four-year-old son, uh, so uh, I, I I know a lot more pale paleontology than I than I thought I would. Um, well, we, reptile definitely definitely the Titanoboa, the the the, the two thousand pound uh, snake. But uh, out of the dinosaurs, uh, my money would be on Ankylosaurus. That's a that's a tank. He would he would basically just uh, double leg people and lay down on them and they wouldn't have a chance. You you yeah, and you can't tip him over. He he just squats down and you can't take him down and you, you yeah there is nothing you can do against the ankylosaurus. Oh, sec, I'm just gonna look up an ankylosaurus real quick because fucking... that's the one with the club the the club tail. He has spikes on the side and he's Ooh, like okay. a meter. Yeah yeah he's a he's a beast. Oh man, that guy's a fucking unit. Jesus Christ. Spiky boy, he could, break, he, could, he could break a leg of a T Rex and a Brontosaurus easy. Jeez, man. Okay, I will say this though. Um, I fucking love like video games and stuff because when you like, they like, I like these games that are like very expansive and open world. And there's like, there was like this one game. I think it was Horizon Zero Dawn. It was like there's robot dinosaurs all over the world, and there's like an ankylosaur. <laughs> There's like a robot ankylosaur in this fucking game, and it, there's like I like every time they just depict one of those things in the game, it has spikes on the tail, so it looks like just a fucking medieval mace. Yeah, on just the just imagine, just imagine how it would be to walk around today, and you know, having to develop 
huge spikes on your shoulder blades and your head and kind of having a four a square head so that huge goddamn monsters couldn't swallow your head you know that that's the reality they were living in they, they just you know their bones were protruding through their skin just to be able to not get eaten by these huge goddamn monsters with two meter jaws <laughs> mm. Oh, and well, well, I'll, I'll finish. I'll finish. I'll finish on a, on a really weird note that has nothing to do with with jujitsu. And it's I, I kind of hope that I can give people some hope in in the CO two emission, uh, you know, climate crisis uh, fanaticism. And the the rock that that the eight kilometer rock that slammed into Earth and kind of vaporized a whole oil field and sulfur field. It basically toxic, made the whole world toxic for 10 years. And there was eight meters of snow in one day. And it killed every uh, animal over 25 kilos. And like 80 or 90% of all the species died within a few months. Uh, the, the planet was going through a rough time. But life overcame and came back and created mammals and us. And all the things that we take for granted now would not have been possible unless the planet went through this horrible goddamn accident. It was it was so bad that you know nothing today came comes even one percent close. There, there's mass extinction and and the climate crisis and whatever. It's like it's not even a it's a it was a hundred times worse. And this was just one of many mass extinctions. And no matter we we, we don't have the the recipe and the kind of the 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 answer to what happens maybe the plastic at the bottom of the ocean will be really good for something 500 years from now it's not a reason to throw plastic in the ocean but we should think that we have the answer that that we have the thermostat of the world and that because we're driving a gas car instead of an electric car that we're dooming life forever we're just making the planet a less habitable place right now uh, but, you know, we, we shouldn't make stupid choices, we, sh we should make smart choices, but we should not be alarmist and kind of go crazy over small things just because media wants us to be afraid. Uh, I, I think there is much more hope and things have been so much worse. There is a saying that uh, two things are for sure about history. It wasn't fun and it's not coming back. <laughs> and. And the, the world has gone through so much shit and humanity has been through so many dark ages that today is really the absolute best time to be alive. There, you would never want to live at a different time than this one. It's for sure the best one to be alive. We can do yoga, we can do ice baths, we can do jiu-jitsu, we can basically move wherever we want, we can work with whatever we want. We have so many options if we just, uh, you know, realize. And you can go to work without getting eaten by a fucking dinosaur, so you know, it's a win-win. Yes. And at the very least, you can take a swim without being swallowed by a one-ton snake. <laughs> well, unless you believe the theories about the, the Loch Ness monster, which you know, uh, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta have, a, hang, have to hang on to some bit of mystery if it, if life is too tedious. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Our man, fucking okay. Uh, yeah, this is just a quick aside, and then I'll shut up. But man, if you could bring back any like mythological if you can make or if you could bring back any extinct species or make one mythological creature real what would it be and why bring one bring back one species i don't think there is any species that that is extinct that still has a place because nature is nature is the most brutal fucking thing ever it's it's so horribly brutal 
that when you have, let's say you're an animal that gets maybe 5,000 children in the course of a lifetime, on average, one of your children, two of your children survives, one male and one female, which means that your statistics as one of these critters are basically, you're basically food for someone else and you're going to die probably within a day or two. That's nature. And, and species, you know, all mammals have one grandmother, one goddamn little critter had all the children that became other species and they became all the mammals that are alive today. So it's just children and siblings eating each other over and over and over and over again. Nature is so brutal. And, you know, 99.999% of all species that ever existed are extinct. And that's the way it has to be because nature survives because it's so brutal, because it's so harsh. And because, you know, that's the way, that's why life has survived. It's not because we could, you know, bring back extinct species. Everybody has to, the dinosaurs ruled for 150 million years. And the reason that they are the reason the world looks the way it does today. If T-Rex and Ankylosaurus didn't exist, plants wouldn't have evolved the same way they did. And other species wouldn't have, you know, had time to develop the way they did. So, so the dinosaurs uh, didn't live for nothing and neither did we. One day we will probably be extinct too and something completely different will be alive. And it's thanks to the work and the suffering that we are going through that other species have a future. Uh, so yeah, I would never bring back an extinct animal. I'm, I'm really happy that all the dead animals are dead and they're going to be happy that I'm dead too when, uh, when they have space to live on the planet. Mm. That's going to get clipped, man. It's like, uh, it's like say, say someone who doesn't like you is going to take that clip like, oh, Sebastian Broch likes that animals go extinct. It's like, okay, bro, you can <laughs> go take stuff out of context if you want. Go crazy. There is, there is, a, there is a saying in marketing that all marketing is good marketing. No matter if, if they're, you know, trashing you and trying to cancel you, that's, that's a sign that you're, like, if people hate you, it, it means that one, either you're an asshole or two, you're doing a lot of good things that make people jealous. So you, you can you can always pick and choose. Well, besides, man, even if someone does make a stupid video or write a stupid article about you liking that animals are extinct, some other guy who likes that animals are extinct will be like, this Sebastian guy seems cool. I think I'll follow him on Yoga PJJ. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I don't think you should ever do anything for someone to like you. Because if you get one person to like you, you're gonna get someone else to hate you. So the, playing that game is just silly. It's like, it's, it's a, it, having people like you is like trying to be pretty, you know, be, be as pretty as you are, but don't try that, that, that makes it a lot worse because yeah. Ladies, ladies, take notes. <laughs> that was a terrible joke there. Uh, so Sebastian, okay, uh, so guys, we're just going to leave it there. If you want to follow Sebastian on anything or follow Yoga BGJ, all that stuff be in the description below. And once again. If you text him saying you you listen to this terrible podcast, he'll give you a two months free membership. So I was actually give you one uh, one more plug before we leave. I just launched something called Academy Membership, which is basically eighty nine euros per month that the gym pays, and all the members get access to Yoga for BJJ. So if you have if you have a gym, if you're a gym owner, message me, and if you know the gym owner, tell him that there is a deal where everybody can get access to Yoga for BJ for 89 euros a month. Uh, and, and if they say no, then you leave black roses on their on their desk uh, every day until they succumb. 
because this is the best way for me to get everybody to do yoga for BJ, and it's for sure the best things for the gym. Mm. Uh, so guys, I'll have that link in the description as well. I have all the all the relevant links. And also, if you want to text Sebastian and tell him that, you know, the very the dinosaur tirade at the end was very, 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 uh, very informative, you can as well. But guys, also follow me on Instagram if you want. It's at Humans Jitsu, Humans Jitsu Podcast, and my secret personal account that I never put out there, even though I'm mentioning it right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, Sebastian, do you have anything to say before we shoot off? Uh, no, I, everybody, everybody who loves jiu-jitsu and want to stay in jiu-jitsu forever should join me, uh, and I will, uh, I will take good care of you. If you become a yoga for BJJ instructor, I'm gonna make you uh, twice as good as at jiu-jitsu within three years. I guarantee you that. Uh, and yeah, yeah, thank you for listening and thank you for for being part of this amazing community. Mm. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys.